How great is that song? Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a new tradition that every year Chad is from now until eternity is going <laughs> to help us write a song, um, an Advent. Um, and Chad wrote that first verse and chorus, and we're going to sing that next week again. And then I think it's Warren and Carla maybe are up for the second verse. Is that right, Carla? Either that or Jay Potter. Anyways, we got some good stuff ahead. It's going to be great. Um, I want you to turn. I'm going to show some. We're, we're going to finish up our series on discipleship today. And we've been framing that as what, what does it look like to, um, to understand discipleship as our everyday yes to God and what God is doing in our everyday. Um, and we've looked at um, three different kind of spaces or movements of um, Sitting at table with neighbors and receiving. Um, sitting at table with one another, um, welcoming. Sitting at table, um, God's tables, um, where God welcomes all, nourishes all. And we've been just looking at all sorts of different ways that we um, are invited to respond yes to God um, together as, as discipleship. And today we're going to finish that. And then we're going to move into Advent next year. And as we finish it, I think it's a great time, a great Sunday to do that when we lift up the reign of God in Christ today on Christ the King Sunday. When we lift up and cast our eyes to Jesus Christ, who is the one who has come and reigns and rules today. We lift up. And we proclaim this together. I'm going to put a picture up here. And I want you to turn to your neighbor and maybe one or two. A, help them know what these pictures are. And B, see if you can figure out if there's anything in common with the pictures. Okay? And we're going to have to do this very quick. So be ready. All right? Go for it. Okay. Let's hear from a few people. What do these have in common? I heard they're awesome. Um, I've heard hipsters love them. Um, what, else, what else do we see? Becky. Things of the past. Okay. What else? Yeah, Sid. They all help us. Good. Awesome. Joel. Forms of communication. Oh, wow. I didn't even realize I had done that. Yeah. Nice job, Joel. They've all been replaced. Um, there's a, there's a term out there that's called disruptive technologies. And disruptive technologies are new things that come that are not only new, but they make other things obsolete. Unless people get nostalgic and uh, get excited about utilizing a feather pen with ink on a scroll. Um, but these have all, or are, are in the process of being... Um, moved on from with new technologies. Now, real quick, look at each other. What's up there and which ones replace which? Go for it. Actually, stay together. Which, what's up there? What do you see? Sid. A car. Horse-driven buggies. Yes. A printing press. How many of you knew that was a printing press? Well done. Yeah. Right. What else do you notice? 
What's that middle one on the bottom? Anybody know? <laughs> Which one of these is kind of like the other? Um, anybody know? It's an iPod, and it's more like a Walkman than it is like an iPhone, right? <laughs> yeah, this is first gen right here, Brad. This is your, your maybe, maybe your first Apple product right here. <laughs> that struck me too, to be honest, not even until, oh, Joel, yeah. Light bulb, right, right. Oil lamps. Um, they're making a comeback, but um, but they ha they were surpassed. It, it struck me how even an iPod that was something that replaced a Walkman. Um, if you don't know what a Walkman is, you can ask parents or friends later. Um, even that now um, is somewhat obsolete, right? New technology has come. Um, the message of the kingdom of God is a disruptive message. Um, it comes and it brings newness. And that newness um, replaces oldness. And it's not always comfortable. Um, and today we proclaim a, a kingdom um, that is not always comfortable, but that today we um, oh man, we welcome and celebrate the reign of Christ in the kingdom of God. In the Gospel of Luke, um, there's these stories. The author, Luke, puts these, these stories together that are controversial stories. There's this story of a, a man who's healed and Jesus forgives this man. And the Pharisees are like, whoa, you can't do that. There's a story of Levi that we looked at the first week of this series where Jesus says, follow me, become one of my disciples, and then goes to his house and eats with him. And the Pharisees say, whoa, you cannot do that. Um, and today we have a, another story of controversy that I want to read for us um, some people said to Jesus, disciples of John fast often and pray frequently. The disciples of the Pharisees do the same. You notice how they did that? They went first with like, all right, let's, let's name something that maybe Jesus would connect with. Right? He's not really connecting with us. So, hey, even John's disciples fast frequently and so do the Pharisees. But your disciples are always eating and drinking. Jesus replied, you can't make the wedding guests fast while the groom is with them, can you? The days will come when the groom will be taken from them and then they will fast. Then he told them a parable. No one tears a patch from a new garment to patch an old garment. Otherwise the new garment would be ruined and the new patch wouldn't match the old garment. Nobody pours new wine into old wineskins. If they did, the new wine would burst the wineskins, the wine would spill, and the wineskins would be ruined. Instead, new wine must be put into new wineskins, 
No one who drinks a well-aged wine wants new wine, but says the well-aged wine is better. This is the word of the Lord. I want you to, Luke is the only one to put that last line in there. Rob's like, yeah, Luke's right. <laughs> um, let's hold that there. Um, historically, uh, church has looked all sorts of different ways, um, depending on where a church is located socially, contextually. Um, and today, I'm, I'm giving just a thin, thin slice, but uh, this is a little bit of background for some of, especially some of the people who are new to um, the Nazarene tradition or new to um, just kind of the world. Um, and that is that generations ago, um, Nazarenes were really wild in their worship. Really wild. And they would run around the aisles screaming and singing as they, as they worshipped. Um, they, they do, Gabe. <laughs> you stole my punchline coming up. Um, there, were, there were altars up in front that people would come and pray at. Um, it, was, it was a very enthusiastic environment. What? I said it was lit. It, it was lit. Thank you, Peter. <laughs> And then somebody said, you know, this is, this is, this is a bit much. Um, we, we need to get deeply rooted in our faith. Um, we, need to, we need to tap into the, the well of who God is a little bit more. And so there was this movement to study and teach the mysteries of the faith that you could understand them. And it was beautiful. And there was growth and maturity and then someone said, this is kind of boring. <laughs> like we, need to, we need to spice in this up a, get, a little bit. Um, we need a little more energy. We need to be a little bit more current and relevant. And so I'm fast forwarding a bit, but then there's this, all this other shape of, of ministry arguments and worship arguments of like, well, what instruments are allowed in a church service? Um, sorry, Ryan. Um, what kind of music can you play? And so now there's some people in this room and we would say, oh, I remember when, you know, this group was cutting edge and I mean, can we sing a dot, dot, dot song, a Michael W. Smith song in church? Um, <laughs> Can we sing a Jars of Clay song? Come on, fill in the dots. Can we sing a, you know, whatever, Larry Norman song? Like, I'm going, I'm, some of you are like, I don't even know who these people are, and that's kind of the point. Um, and a lot of times we use a passage like this in a, in a way that, that speaks to kind of the form and shape of, of worship. And I think, I think there's something there. There's some connection there. But I think, I think there's even deeper, deeper stuff that Jesus is trying to invite us into. Um, these Pharisees, they fasted. They came and they fasted. And it was beautiful in some ways. 
They were longing for God's newness. They were longing for the promise of what was to come. And so they fasted and they got very serious about this. John the Baptist did as well. And our passage tells us fasting is appropriate. There's a place for fasting. But not when the bridegroom is here. Not when the one for whom we've gathered and waited has arrived and is there to celebrate. And today, on this Christ the King Sunday, we're invited into a posture of remembering that the bridegroom has indeed come. Fasting, so appropriate, so needed. We've got a whole season in the church calendar to do it. We know all sorts of different reasons why we should fast today, this day and age. Um, but today is not that day. Today is the day when we elevate the crucified and risen Christ who is the king of the world. Amen? Um, Jesus came and he taught all, all this newness. Um, I think of the book of, of, of Philemon. Where Philemon, it's a wonderful book because it's so short. So if kids, if your parents ever tell you you have to read a book of the Bible, pick Philemon. It's very short. Um, and it's a great story. Um, but Paul's writing this letter to Philemon about his friend Onesimus, who Onesimus used to be Philemon's slave. Um, and he ran away. And in those days, you did not do that. And if you did that, there was certain punishment. And Paul is writing to Philemon. He's saying to Philemon, hey, I, I know the rules. I know what you're permitted to do because of what Onesimus has done. But I want to, I want to invite you into a new creation. Onesimus has become my brother in Christ, my sibling, my friend. As he comes back, welcome him as your brother and your sibling and your friend in Christ. Amen? The bridegroom is here. Jesus does all this teaching throughout the Sermon on the Mount, and we've gone over this many times, and gives all kinds of examples of, yeah, you've heard it said, eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Like, and, and that's a beautiful thing. That limits retribution. If only when we argued or when our children fought, or when we were upset with each other, all we wanted was an eye for an eye, right? If only it worked that way. This is actually a very beautiful command that retribution would stop at equality. And Jesus says, how about this? How about some new wine? Where we don't even move in that direction, but we move in the ways of reconciliation and love. And today... We can fast. We know all sorts of ways that ethic has not been lived into. We know ways where even an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth is not being lived out. But today we elevate the risen Christ as king of the world and we celebrate that there's a new way of reconciliation and forgiveness. 
for people like us, for people different than us, for siblings, for parents, for spouses, for friends, right? We, we live into reconciliation. Um, and so today, as kind of a, a transition into our next series, I want to, I think, I think what this passage is pointing us towards is some of, the, of what Paul wrote in Galatians. But now faith has come. We're no longer under a custodian. You're all God's children through faith in Christ Jesus. All of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. Nor is there male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Christ has set us free for freedom. Therefore stand firm and don't submit to the bondage of slavery again. If we live by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit. We're going to be moving from this series on discipleship into a series on the fruit of God's Spirit. And what I want to do is, I want to, I want to invite us, as we move into that, how God, to, to, to kind of be in prayer about God. There are things we bring each week that are heavy burdens, there are things about this world that we, we long to be different. Um, and when we come on Sundays, I think sometimes we can be like the Pharisees in that we can be very serious and we can fast a lot. We can be very um, burdened by what's going on in the world and for understandable reasons. I also know that I see you all at weddings. I see us at birthday parties. I see us in one another's backyards. Um, we know how to party. <laughs> we know how to celebrate one another. And some of that comes from connecting over the things that burden us. I want, I think this passage is inviting us. Yes, fasting is important for a season. Carrying the burdens of the world in our hearts on behalf of the world is, there's a place for that. Today, Christ the King Sunday, is the day we elevate the one who has overcome all of those things. Amen? We're moving into Advent, and Advent is the season where we wait in hope for the one to come in complete fullness to wipe out all these things that we carry on our hearts. And in Epiphany, we'll continue into this series. Um, and what we're going to do is we're going to look at each of the different fruit of the Spirit. Um, hope is not on Paul's list, but that's the first kind of theme of Advent, and so we're going to go with hope, and I think hope is a fruit of God's Spirit. Um, and then we're going to just look at all these different fruit throughout the season, and I want, us, I want to invite us, just in our minds, may we elevate the risen Christ and allow it to form us and shape us, um, as we come and celebrate um, together on these Sundays.
Um, one of my favorite stories um, of my kids, uh, and, and some of you have heard this story before, um, was when Zach was about, I don't know, four or five years old. And he, he was upset with some instructions that I was giving him. Um, and I, I don't remember exactly what they were. But he, he looked right at me. And as much mu- as energy as Zach can muster up in terms of anger, um, he looked right at me and said, Dad, you're not the boss. God is the boss. And you're not God. There's got to be some algebraic formula underneath all that logic. Um, And I was kind of taken back. And... I just had, a, I think, a parenting win in that moment where I just said, you're right. You're right. And so I wonder if we might take this mantra with us. Um, I don't know what the burdens you bring into this room are. Um, I don't know what the social um, realities that are that just break your heart that affect you, that affect people you love. But today, on Christ the King Sunday, we say to those things, you're not the boss. You're not the one in control. You think you are, but you're not. God is the one who controls the future and holds it. Not you. For some of us, this is very systemic and social. For some of this, this is very personal and individual. I don't know what the things are affecting you, um, influencing you, where you're stuck. Christ the King Sunday is the day where we come and we remember that the bridegroom has come. And those things that seem to hold us back, we say, now you're not the one who controls me. You're not the one who dictates the future. Um, God in Christ is the one who holds the future. And therefore, we worship. We worship together um, because of that.